007. Q, what the hell are you doing here? I might have killed you. Well, I'm on leave. Thought I'd pop round and see how you're getting on. You all right? Yes, of course I'm all right. How'd you find me? Well, money, Penny, of course. She worried sick about you. This is no place for you, Q. Go home. Oh, don't be an idiot, 007. I know exactly what you're up to. And quite frankly, you're going to need my help. Remember, if it hadn't been for Q Branch, you'd have been dead long ago. Everything for a man on holiday. Explosive alarm clock. Guaranteed never to wake up anybody who uses it. Dentonite toothpaste to be used sparingly. It's the latest in plastic explosive. I could do with some plastic. I thought there might be a mess to clean up. Pam, this is Q, my uncle. Uncle, this is Miss Kennedy, my cousin. Ah, we must be related. How do you do? Now, pay attention, 007. Now, this looks like an ordinary camera, doesn't it? What kind of film does it take? 120? No, 0.220 high velocity. Now, this is a signature gun. And that is an optical palm reader. And if I plug this into the bottom like that, once I've programmed it... Now, nobody can use the gun but you. Smile, boys. Don't use a flash! Stop fiddling about with things that you don't understand. You might easily have killed him. That's odd. Look, let's all get some rest, shall we? We've got a long, hard day ahead of us tomorrow. Good night, Q. Sweet dreams, Mr. Bond. I hope you don't snore, Q. Nightfly program with me, Dave Juskow. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever and whenever you listen to the Nightfly, we're here to entertain, you hope, I hope, to entertain everybody across the globe who likes to listen to exciting stories about going to the diner with your mother or the like. (laughs) 
family issues. And, and then the, the actual interesting stuff, which is galloping around or gallivanting around. Because I do skip. <laughs> gallivanting around New York City in a climate that isn't really conducive for gallivanting anymore. And that, of course, provides the action and the entertainment and the craziness post-COVID. Yeah, I'm saying post-COVID. Is it almost over? No, it's coming back. Oh, God, I hope so. We need another shutdown, am I right? So Dave Juskow can prosper again. This is ridiculous. <laughs> All right, let's get things started. Hello, everybody, and how you be? I say that today because, you know, a little later we're going to be talking about Steve Summers, this unbelievable sports talk radio host who is retiring after, I don't know, 37, 40 years. He was awesome. But uh, just right now, I'm going to say hello. And tonight, being Tuesday, November 16th, please watch the Comedy Cellar football show on YouTube. My guest at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time will be the very delightful Marina Franklin, everybody. And then uh, we'll just talk nonsense and have a good time. And then at 7 o'clock, we'll make the picks with Brian Scott McFadden, who, if you remember from last year... His dad was actually in the movie Annie Hall. And then he got cut out. It happens. I'd be okay with I got a friend who is in he's in our, our Cars movie. <laughs> Ironically, I, I cut him out now that I think about it. And he was in Spinal Tap. And he got cut out. But he is in the deleted scenes. And see, that's the thing where you go do a Woody Allen movie, you get cut out. You're never going to see it again. But if you do like a Spinal Tap or anything else in these days, you know, there would be footage and proof. It sucks to get cut out of a Woody film, Woody Allen film, because he might burn everything. What an asshole. I was looking him up the other day, and I'm like, is, is it over? Some say this next one he's doing in Paris might be his last. Oh, I just, I hate having his reputation tarnished. It is bothersome. I was just talking about crimes and misdemeanors and Hannah the other day, let alone Vicky Cristina Barcelona. I'm talking about films that a lot of people don't know about, which are so good, let alone the classics. He has all these other films, which, you know, if you weren't a Woody Allen fan, you wouldn't fan, you wouldn't know that are so good. And that's the gag of it all. So pro women. And so, you know, that's the part everybody's missing. Again, you know, it's been there's been no proof of whatever's happened and all that stuff. Are you forgetting how important he's been to women in the move in motion pictures? The reason why you can take, I don't know, five or six best actress, best supporting actresses, maybe more. I mean, I might be conservative of this. They win because he might be the only person in film in the last hundred years that knows how to write for a woman. And that includes that idiot Patty Jenkins. That idiot, Patty Jenkins, more news on her, the one who directed Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 2, I just get angry about because everybody's like, Patty Jenkins, Patty Jenkins, and they're not talking about Amy Heckerling. You know that. So we've already done like three podcasts about this. Apparently this one, they're giving her a Star Wars to do after that awful Wonder Woman 84. And she's like holding up the production for who knows what. It's a secret. I don't know. She's an idiot. That's why she shouldn't be working in film. Thank you. I really can't stand her. And it's problematic because, uh, you know, I, I, I like Wonder Woman. <laughs> Who wouldn't? I like Gal Gadot. I don't like the Wonder Woman movies, although the first one is uh, it's, it's all right. 
Second one's just so god awful, but I still watch it because she's gorgeous and stunning and Jewish. What? Seriously, what? Seriously, if you had told me back in 1974 that there would be a Jewish Wonder Woman, well, I would have said nuts to that. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, oh, we have fun. Anywho, that is uh, this week. Next week on the Comedy Yourself Football Show, Colin Quinn. Uh, the week after that, Gilbert Godfrey. On the Billy Joel podcast, we are doing something very entertaining. If I can put it together, on December 4th, we're having a call-in show. Anybody can call in. We're having a call-in show, and you got to stump this guy, Paul Lauren, who uh, whose interview is coming out next week. He's a wonderful musician, great guy, and uh, he apparently knows every Billy Joel song, and we're going to have people call up and try and stump him, even with the, the ones that nobody knows. Yeah. I don't know. That should be interesting, but I got to figure out how the call-in works. Now, I haven't figured out. I finally figured And you don't understand. I sit there like um, like a scientist, like a, like a surgeon, where you're thinking about it all day long, and you're like, wait a minute, I've got it. This is what I said. I'm watching TV, and I'm thinking, wait, how am I going to get the calls and talking to my microphone at the same time? And then it occurred, you know, because I know we've done this before on this podcast. We've had a call-in show, and I'm like, well, how? But I'm using Colin Studio. You know, we, you know, we can't get it together on the Tuesday show, which I couldn't care less about. We can't get it together on that. I'm like, why? And he says we need a mixer, all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my god! Now I remember, and it just came to him. I'm like, now I remember the way I did it. So I tried it, and it works perfectly. What I cannot seem to get is to get Elon also perfect like me. I'm saying, you know, my mic will be perfect. It's not fair for the co-host for the Billy Joel show to be just on the call-in scene so he doesn't sound as good as I do. So I don't know. I got to work that out. But December 4th, that's the plan. On December 1st now, again, if you are in New York City and you are a Patreon, well, I mean, even if you're not a Patreon, please come. December 1st, Westside Comedy Club. Um, it's going to be a really good show because I can just use whoever I want because that the, the woman who runs it is not going to be there. So <laughs> I can kind of go behind her back. And uh, put on whoever I want. So uh, the lineup is uh, Elon and Olga, of course. They're on every uh, month because they're great. And we got Nick Griffin, you know, my Tuesday lunch buddy. And then Dove Davidoff, who's a terrific comic. He's amazing, as we talked about last week in Crashing. He's been on, not Blue Bloods, the one with Ray Liotta. And I can't remember. Um, it was another show on NBC. And Jeffrey Ross. That's December 1st. Also, uh, Mike Suarez, who is the producer of my Comedy Cellar football show. And if you can believe it, are you ready for us? Because now we've become good friends. Look, this is how much Dave Jusko has you know, moved, tried to move on. That girl, Kate Herman, who was so disrespectful on the Comedy Cellar show, but we have made up, we have become friends. And I said, you know what? Why don't you come on and do a spot? I, I have no idea what she does. All I know is I, I can't imagine there would be a man in that audience that's uh, 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 not okay with this, <laughs> as, as shallow as that may be. Uh, but it should be fun. It's all friends and family and good times. December 1st, the West Side Comedy Club. Uh, again, like I said, if you're a Maggie-level subscriber, you get it for free. But um, anyway, I'd also like to once again thank my fellow Patreon subscribers. You guys really are the best 
and I don't know what I'd do without you. It makes me happy that there are people who care. You know, I mean, you don't, I don't hear from that many people who listen. I know people listen. Well, let's assume we have a thousand listeners a week, which, you know, is technically really good. Cause like I say, when you're doing it and you're just looking out the window and talking to yourself, you're like, nobody's going to listen to this. But I know people do because I hear from a lot of you, obviously. And it's just, um, I don't know, you know, but a thousand is, it seems like a lot, you know, but it's like in the, in the scheme of things when, you know, people, you know, there's Mark Marins and Joe Rogan's in the world, it's, it's not much, but that's okay. It's just good to know that people care. <laughs> Some people care and they, they uh, want to hear the nonsense on the hijinks, but who wouldn't? My life is insane. I mean, in the sense of just, it's just stupid. Oh, it's easy to listen to the Paris Hilton podcast and talk about her hobnobbing with the big crowds, but it's much more interesting to talk about, well, I hung out with the CFO of my company yesterday, and then I met Larry from Three's Company. I mean, that's what you want to hear, because that's just, that's like a normal person in extraordinary circumstances. How about that? As we all know, I had a regular job for 20 years. So listen to this, then, uh, oh, just really quick on, uh, not, well, on Billy Joel, you know, I, I got to open it. We have this a song called Josephine. I wouldn't even bother listening to that one. Uh, who knows what it is, unreleased. And then Just the Way We Was, which is really funny. Spoiler alert, I never mentioned that. I keep calling it Don't Go Changing or I can't remember the words. And then Alon at the end, he goes, I can't believe you didn't mention that it's called Don't Go Changing. I'm like, I totally forgot. It's out of my system now. So Just the Way We Was, uh, the biggie, only the biggies. Uh, that's a good one. I just put that together last night, and it comes out Thursday. So that's fun. So my sister, remember I told you my sister's mother-in-law died, my brother-in-law's mother, who he was not close with in any way. And she lived out in Long Island, and she was kind of a recluse, and uh, she died and died so much that nobody cared, and in, in the worst way to put stuff, that Matt even told my sister like a week later, oh, by the way, my mother died. And he had to clean out the house and do all that kind of stuff. And apparently she was really heavily into baseball cards. Now, I don't know whether you know what's been going on during COVID, but for some God knows reason, baseball cards were just went crazy during COVID. I mean, crazy. Uh, if any of you listen to Howard Stern, you've probably heard the mushmouth uh, JD talking about his collection of baseball cards or uh, getting that kind of stuff, the packages, the openings, all that kind of stuff. It's huge. And it got even more huge during COVID. So his mother was in on that. Who knows why she was like bartering. Hey, you give me a free dental surgery and I'll give you a Joe Schlobotnik. Now that's a classic peanuts reference. Not, I did not say penis. You understand that, right? Peanuts, Charlie Brown, a classic. If you're uh, I guess my age, Joe Schlobotnik. Uh, so she had a whole bunch of cards. My sister said she got a whole bunch of cards. I'm like, what? What? What are you saying? And my sister had no idea. So I go, oh, my God, we got to call Joe Messina uh, because he's been talking about this and Cousin Frankie and let them know we have this treasure trove of stuff. And she goes, well, Matt looked it up. And he doesn't see anything. And I go, well, let me take it over to Joe's and see what he says. And unfortunately, I went over there on Thursday after I went to my mother's. My sister took I mean, She had the car packed and she said, we're not even finished. All this sports memorabilia, all this stuff that I thought would have been worth a fortune 
it ain't worth that much. I thought, we thought I could re-up my eBay business as I was doing probably just before we started this podcast. I, my friend Lawrence used to sell uh, DVDs and we, I used to do all the work and we used to split it. I did all the work, putting it up, shipping, running the auctions, uh, but he gave me the product. So it was a completely fair deal and we'd split it. So I thought maybe this is what we would do with Beth and her, you know, her husband, her mother, her mother-in-law's stuff. But then I found out after we went through all these boxes, I was like, all right, I'm going to start up the eBay business again because why not? Perfect, right? What am I doing? Now, first of all, there's a couple of things. eBay just announced that they are starting to, oh, Joe keeps telling me what it is, like a, a CK19 form. I don't know. The, the IRS is going to start taxing eBay stuff. So then it becomes less profitable already, right? I don't know what they were doing before, but apparently they now have a form that starts in 2022 if you live in New York and and this year, unfortunately, if you live in New Jersey. So then it becomes, of course, less profitable. Uh, But that's all right. Again, I still have nothing but time. But then when I was talking to Beth after I put all the stuff in my car and then went to the storage area on Thursday to put it all in there, to keep it there, I took a couple of things home. I mean, it was such a mess. So I went to my mother's on Thursday. So I'd been there two weeks. And I want, so I, I stopped at the storage space for it. Remember I told you I, I got a storage space because I knew my mother's moving, you know. But I had any idea we were going to have this baseball card stuff. And then it turned out, well, it's a good idea. So I went to the storage space to pick up the lock and, you know, look at it. And I'm like, eh, all right. And then I went to my mom's. And uh, I was, okay, so I was, the day before, I remembered it was Veterans Day and I got pissed. You're not going to meet anybody who's so vocal about hating Veterans Day. I know. It sounds awful. I want to do everything in my power to support our veterans. My father was a veteran and his father before him. I happily signed up for the draft at the age of 18. Probably the last person, the only person I know that went down to the post office and registered for the draft perhaps being brave because I knew there was no draft, <laughs> but I was told we all had to sign up anyway. And it is my pleasure to support troops, to donate money, to make sure they are taken care of. But if you're going to have a goddamn parade in Manhattan, then you're going to tr- treat it like the Puerto Ricans, the Israeli, the Italians. You can go fuck yourself. All you stupid ethnicities that want to have a parade that doesn't let me get my car out of the garage, go fuck yourself. And that includes the goddamn veterans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can play this back when I run for Manhattan Borough President and people will be shocked, but the people in Manhattan will know. Hey, here's a guy that completely gets it. Fuck. The middle of the week on a Thursday? You gotta have a parade? A parade! Ugh. I've been dealing with that goddamn parade for 20 years. I lived right on the route, or my worked right on the route. I couldn't hear myself think. Why were we open on that day? <sighs> so I was so angry. I'm like, I'm yelling at my mother. I'm cursing. It has nothing to do with her. I'm just angry that I completely forgot. I'm like, do I need to get my car now? What's the parade route? It turns out the parade route stops just before my garage and... <sighs> But again, I was like, you got to be goddamn kidding me. These goddamn parades, they got to stop. They got to stop. And this is the veterans, right? This is the one you're like, well, because I think I even said early on when I was thinking about running for Manhattan Borough President, 
I've always said we're keeping the Thanksgiving Day Parade because that one, for some reason, is extremely special. It's non-denominational, and, you know, it's got balloons and so much history behind it, and it's on Thanksgiving Day. Who cares in Manhattan, you walk, whatever, right? It's, you know it's people, you know people are coming in, you know, for this. And it's like a special parade. The floats, the whole pomp and circumstance, let alone it's done by noon. Who gives a shit? It's from nine to noon. Who cares? Perfect. So, I, you know, I keep that one. And I think I said, I think I'm, oh, and I said the Halloween parade in the village because it's classic. I mean, I don't live in the village, so I'm saying that, right? But it is a legendary parade. It's fun. It's entertaining. These parades make sense. These other kind of parades with nothing, a stupid, stupid marching band that I, who the fuck likes that? Even if you got a kid in it, I can't imagine you're okay with that. Marching bands are stupid. And that's all that, and then people waving in a car that you're coming from Pennsylvania to see that in Manhattan. What the fuck is the matter with you? Hey, we know somebody in the parade. They're going to walk by. It's like, it's different, I guess, with the, oh, anyway, was, I can go on such a tangent here. But I, I think I was saying, well, maybe we'll keep the Veterans Day Parade. But no, no, now I'm out again. Just Thanksgiving, and you can keep that stupid Halloween parade because it doesn't really bother anyone in the West Village. You're not, you know, in Midtown or whatever, and you know about staying away. Keep those two parades, but we're getting I'm getting rid of the Veterans Day one too. Or or let's or let's just have that one and have it, I don't know. Put it in Brooklyn. <laughs> if people from Brooklyn like to come into Manhattan and enjoy these parades, if those are the people that are coming in, then good, keep it there. And quite frankly, you should have the Veterans Parade in Staten Island, where people really do care about their veterans so much so they don't even want to get a vaccine. So, I don't know. It's just getting uptight. Anyway, fine. I got out to where I needed to go, and my sister and I, we go, and the reason I bring it up is because we go to the diner, as we do every Thursday. It's packed. We can't get a table for 10 minutes. Why? It's Veterans Day! Damn it! And I was, but then I'm like, let's take the fact that it's Veterans Day out of the picture, right? Nobody wants to, I don't want to, you know, we have to have a Veterans Day. I don't. I don't know why they what I don't understand why they don't have it on a Monday holiday. Why they have it in the middle of the week? It used to be when we were growing up in the 70s, it was a Monday holiday. It was Columbus it was Labor Day, you know, once a month. Labor Day, September, Columbus Day, October, Veterans Day in November was a Monday holiday. Then it makes, you know, then it's people like really like our and then it's a holiday too on a Monday and this, you know, whatever. Anyway, the thing is, I've never nobody I've never taken off on Veterans Day. I mean, I've never my work has never closed. That's why I was like, where are all these people coming from? Like, it's Veterans Day. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't think I've ever worked at an office except when I worked at a bank where it was closed for Veterans Day. My mo- I got my, uh, Joe uh, helped us, my mother find a lawyer. The lawyer is out of Staten Island, a lawyer to sell the house. Apparently, Cousin Frankie used her and he likes her. I know, a female lawyer. <laughs> I don't know what world we're living. But seriously, um... And she's like, well, we're closed tomorrow. But then I'm like, wait, what? Your office is closed tomorrow? I mean, I, I've never been closed on Veterans Day. So this is why it was confusing. And, and the diner was completely packed. And I'm like, don't they know we're regulars? We're here every Thursday. Who are these fair weather people that they only come in when their office is closed? 
So, oh my God, I was I, I wasn't upset. I let it go because I knew it was business, <laughs> which it was. And they're like, well, we could set you upside with a cup of coffee. And they were very nice. But we decided to go across the street to Romeo's. I've been there before with my mom. Awful Italian food, but, you know, a nice place. And uh, that's where we went. We sat right away, and uh, food was okay. <laughs> Whatever, right? It ain't great. But uh, my mother likes it there. And I had a, a and the, the staff was very nice, but obviously very slow because, you know, they're understaffed. I had a Caesar salad <laughs> and uh, shrimp parmesan with spaghetti. That was actually pretty good. And uh, fountain soda. Root beer, oh, the fountain soda. See, these guys get it. And my mother recognized like three people while we were there. Like, we had to wait for her to like talk because last time we went in, she's like, I can't believe I didn't recognize anybody. I'm like, you can't believe you. Didn't but she really does recognize everybody. So uh, we went there and the funniest thing, we had this really cute waitress. And when my mother and sister got stuff to go, they put it in a, a paper bag. The paper bag had a date on it which was July 20th, 2021. And I said, uh, and so when the waitress came over, I'm like, she's like, how was everything? Well, everything was really good, but the one problem, and maybe you want to get your manager, is that you gave us an expired bag to put the food in, and that's really unacceptable. And she laughed hysterically. Thank God, because I was like, you know, because that is a weird one. <laughs> so I'm so happy that she got the gag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this expired bag won't... I don't want to have to leave a nasty Yelp review because you're using expired bags. However, because... <laughs> uh, anywho, then uh, my sister and I ordered a cappuccino. She put a little smiley face on it. Oh, I love that. They gave me a cannoli and she set it up really nice, put a little cannoli sauce around. Oh, ho, ho. It, was, uh, it was very nice, but obviously just so filling for lunch. Because I don't mind telling you to talk about after. Anyway, God, it's so disgusting. So um, then we go to the house and we start. I start clean. I start bringing bags upstairs that I'm going to put in the storage space. I'm like, well, I can go home. I can go to the storage space. And then, but then my sister brings on all this other stuff, all the cards and everything. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Now I got to fill my car up with that. So my car was filled to the brim with all these cards and stuff. So then I went to um, Joe Messina's and uh, we took a look at the cards. And he said, he's like, I don't know. You know, we looked them up online. He's like, they're not, they're not worth as much as we were hoping. I guess, you know, because he said, you know, football and basketball cards. But now she has a couple of those, but for some reason they're not worth. But I have a football, bas- football card collection from the 70s, which apparently, so he says, are huge. So I have my own collection that I have, right? But I guess Matt's mom's stuff isn't as good as we thought. However, if you bulk them together... You know, and just put together. If, if something sells for twenty bucks, and then you have another thing that sells for twenty bucks, you know, all of a sudden you you know you you're making your rent, right? So I'm like, all right, you know what? I'll do it. It's no big deal. It's just not. It's not. You know, we're going to be rich. It's in Action Comics number one. Uh, so it's nothing like that. That's fine. We could Pokemon cards that are worth some. You know, we found something that's worth one hundred and eighty dollars, which is great. And we were hoping there were a couple more of those, but there's not. So it was kind of a bummer, and I went to the storage space. So, you know, it's been getting dark at like 5 o'clock. So I get to the storage space at 6, and it's pitch black. No one's there. It really feels like it's 11 o'clock at night in this creepy storage area where the lights only turn on, you know, if you walk underneath them. 
I mean, it is directly out of a movie where it goes so far. If somebody was coming and the lights are coming on slowly, it's terrifying. There's no way Jason from Friday the 13th isn't in that storage area. So I'm packing everything up. I'm like, you know, I'm way too old to be lifting heavy things like that on my own, but I'm doing it. And I'm putting everything in. And then I even took some call. You know, I was just talking outside because, you know, I like being in that store. It's nice being outside. No one was around. It was a beautiful night. It was just pitch black. It was like 7.30 by now. And uh, I was just, I was like, I don't want to leave. <laughs> I hate going home. And I figure I waited out and then there won't be any traffic. Meanwhile, I know I have to go to my house, not to the garage. And, you know, I'm like, that's going to be a pain because I got to bring some of this stuff to my house to start putting on eBay. Anyway, on the way home, when I finally got to my house, you know, double parked, bring the stuff up, then bring the car all the way back to the parking lot, then go back, walk back home. It's such a to do. You know, that's what's in your mind when you're, all right, I guess I'll leave now. It's just awful. But. I call Beth and I call and Matt's in the car and I call them and I say, um, it's not what we thought. And she's like, yeah, I thought. So they were like, well, you can put it up and, you know, you can have 30 percent because apparently Matt needs 30 percent. And then the factor I didn't realize is his brother. I always forget about him. He's very nice. Remember, we had his uh, daughter on once, she's the school teacher in uh, wherever they live in Kentucky or whatever, Georgia. And she talks like this. Yeah. And she did that COVID thing. Yeah. Really nice. Uh, but he wants, or not wants, maybe he deserves. Uh, totally get it. 30%. So they're saying, I'm getting 30%. And then I say to them, I'm like, well, we're also going to get taxed. The shipping costs. There's all this work I have to do, and I'm only getting 30%. And so if I put up something that's worth $20 or even $100, I'm going to make $14. And so then it doesn't become a good deal for me. Now, I haven't told Beth, and I've been waiting to call her, but I know what she's going to say. She's like, you're not doing anything. She's going to be angry, and I feel like it's going to affect Thanksgiving because I just want to give it all back. I don't want to do it. I mean, if they said I would get half, that makes sense to me, and that's easy. But a third? There's a lot of work involved. You know, you got to take pictures. You got to put it up. You got to set the odds. You got to talk to the people. Is this card in a no-smoking home or you know, that kind of stuff, and then ship it and go to the post office and packaging and, again, the tax form, all this kind of stuff, and I don't think they understand. So I don't know. I've been very uptight and nervous to call my sister because I just know she's going to be angry. I'm hoping she's just going to be cool about it, but I'm very nervous, and I feel like it'll affect Thanksgiving, and, you know, I wasn't even sure if I was going to their house on Thanksgiving, so I've been trying to make other plans, but clearly there's just nobody around to go out with for Thanksgiving, and so I don't know, but I guess I should start making other plans. It's just going to she's just going to be angry at me. She's just always so angry at me, even though we had a nice day on Thursday. But uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go for Thanksgiving. I guess I could just stay home. I know every year I have this problem because I just don't think they want me there at all. I don't think they want my mother there. I don't know. It's really messed up. But, you know, the problem is that Matt is such a good cook, such a good cook. It's all I can think about is his food, his unbelievable turkey. He, she said he's making like five different kinds of stuffings. Now, how do you not go there? But she gets so angry at me all the time. I don't know what to do. And I love seeing the kids, but they don't even care if Uncle David's there or Grammy's there. They don't give a shit. So I don't know. 
But uh, so yeah, I'm just uh, very uptight. But I, 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 I got my own stuff I can put. I got my own family, Senator. I got my own family, and I could put up my own stuff. Waste my time with that. There's a whole bunch of cards. It was so funny. I went immediately go down to find it, and then I couldn't find it. And Beth found it immediately. Hey, I saw your old football cards down. I'm like, what? Where? I don't know how I missed it. I guess I thought they were somewhere else. And the weird part is. Years ago, my dad told him, you know, remember he, well, I don't know what the fuck he was talking about and all this stuff, and he left us in this lurch, but he's like, you know, when I retire, I just want to go through my old baseball cards. And I'm like, what is he talking about? Where does he have old baseball cards? But I don't know what he's talking about. The only ones I have are my cards from the 70s, which clearly Elliot Juskow in 1978 was not collecting football cards. They're mine. He said baseball cards. There's nothing, if he, if he had a collection of baseball cards, there's liar <laughs> my dad I, I you know just he just kept lying if he had a collection of baseball cards fucking baseball cards from the goddamn 1950s they'd be worth a fortune he didn't he was talking about my cards and i don't know why he'd want to go through their football cards and apparently football cards are worth a lot of money and i used to get them i used to go down to the 7-eleven with my friend mike radovanic and we get the football cards they still smell like bubble gum it's amazing and we would trade them or play with them. I don't know what we would do. We'd flip them and trade them, and they're in pretty good condition. I kept them in a shoebox. I don't know any of the players. I didn't. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I knew I was going to have a gambling problem. I like football better than baseball. I've always liked football better than baseball. I, I guess I preferred the uniforms better. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> I probably hated baseball because I was in Little League, and I'm like, screw that. I wish they had never invented this game. As a matter of fact, I was watching this old Bugs Bunny episode where I don't remember what it's called, but you probably remembered if you know Bugs Bunny, where, you know, he's uh, he's batting against the entire team, you know, against the, the big palookas. And he's like, I can take you all on. And it's like playing first base, Bugs Bunny, second base, Bugs Bunny, center field, Bugs Bunny, pitching, Bugs Bunny. And so he puts all things. So he's pitching to one of these guys and he does this thing where he's doing like, I better give him my pachyderma palooka pucker pitch, whatever he says. Watch me paste this pathetic palooka with a powerful, paralyzing, perfect pachydermis percussion pitch. And he does this thing where he has this huge, fast windup, and then a slow pitch to the to the plate. And that is where I learned to pitch. And when I told my dad, "You should let me pitch once," I don't think I've ever told you the story because it's a ugh, didn't work out well. That's the pitches I was doing. The stuff I learned from Bugs Bunny. Now, I never told that or my manager that that's where I learned it from because they would have thought I was crazy. But that's how I was pitching, and I thought it would work perfect. And I can remember the batter's faces like, what is he doing? I'd go real fast with the windup and then go, ah. <laughs> I walked everybody. It was, un and I think I hit a couple of kids. It was fantastic. <laughs> And then the manager looked at my dad, what the fuck is the matter with you? <laughs> and that is one of those things that sticks in your head for the rest of your goddamn life. Oh, boy, it was bad, and I wish I could do it again. I, I wish I had another chance. But I was just pitching from what I learned from that one Bugs Bunny episode, which I watched the other day, and I'm like, I got to just stop watching TV. Everything reminds me of something awful. That was Thursday, and we spoke about it half hour. Wednesday, 
I saw the new James Bond film with my friend Lawrence Lerman. We've seen all the Daniel Craig movies in the theater together, and we said we got to go for it. He lives in Jersey City. I live here. He goes, come on, we'll do it. We'll wait a month, and then we'll go to the theater when it's nice and quiet, because both of us had never been to a movie theater before, you know, since COVID. And I was tight about it, too, but since I sat in the theater with the Sarah show last week. I'm like, you know what? I can get this monkey off my back. So we went to this. I said, let's go to the Battery Park Theater. I love the Battery Park City down by the Statue of Liberty there. That area is so nice, even though it's so windy, so it's horrible for my hair. Um, but that I love that theater because it's no one's ever there. And they had an 11 a.m. showing. So I'm totally excited. I'm take, I took the Revel scooter all the way down. And we got there at 11, and we were the only two in the theater. And we even had the, uh, the seat in between us, <laughs> which we uh, used to, uh, well, you know, we used to use a derogatory term and call that the seat. Even Ray Romano used to do a bit about it, but you're not allowed to say it anymore. So, but, uh, and I got a popcorn and a soda, which I was very worried about because it's a three-hour film, which is so not right for a James Bond film. A James Bond should always be, you know, 201, 205, that's about it. And even, you know, but two hours and 45 minutes. And I knew it. I knew I shouldn't have had that soda. <laughs> but I did. And I made it all the way through. But it was not easy. But we went. And now we've seen all five Daniel Craig James Bonds together, let alone a lot of the other ones. But I'm saying we, we made it. We did it all. And we sat in that theater and we, you know, liked a couple things. I, I cannot tell you anything, uh, but I will say at the very end, when the credits rolled, I said to my friend, did you know about this? And he's like, no, I can't believe I didn't know about it. You know, he writes for like film stuff and everything. So I'm just uh, leave you with that. I talked to a lot of people my age. We were not that happy with it. But I was thinking to myself, you know, it's a love story. This uh, Bond one, definitely a nod to Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which, of course, pisses every Bond fan off because they use the, you know, it would have been better to have a story like the Honor Majesty's Secret Service, uh, falling in love, getting married with either Roger Moore or Sean Connery, you know, somebody a little bit more consistent. So you always get upset that it's George Lazenby that has this unbelievable storyline. So, right. So it's a, definitely a callback to that. They're even using the same theme song. It's a lot of the same words. So. You know, me and anybody my age, we were like, oh, we like this. And that, but then I thought about it, and I've seen now I've seen all five. Now, Casino Royale, I'm a huge Bond fan. The Casino Royale is maybe one of the best movies I've ever seen, and it happens to be James Bond. That first Daniel Craig one is the greatest movie. And it's one, and it's actually, I think it could be my favorite James Bond movie. And, just everything about it is great. The the villain's terrific. The 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 Bond girl, which I'm not allowed to call them anymore, whatever. She's great with the backstory. I've talked about this multiple times. And then the the rest of the four aren't very good. I I don't even I rarely watch them over and over. I don't even think I've seen Skyfall a second time. I've seen Spectre a couple times, but that's it. And Skyfall, as you know, made a lot of money. A lot of money. And I'm saying to myself as I'm watching, I'm like, this is just it's just not the James Bond we grew up on. But I'm saying to myself, you know, I'm an old man. And yes, it's not the movies I grew up on. And I 
got to put that aside. As we played the clip up front of the cute, the old cute, and I played the the Timothy Dalton one, you know, <laughs> like not even the Connery the more to show you, like, you know, listen, it's not fair. We've been dealing with the gadgets and the fun and the comedy all this time. And uh, even though Casino Royale was in a, a great, awesome departure, the other films just haven't been the same. But they're made for a different generation. So if you're seeing Skyfall and you, if you ever saw Skyfall, the stuff with Judy Dench and M and the relationship between the two and finding out more about Bond's past, which is something we were always like, wow, this is going to be great. But for some reason, it just wasn't good enough if you're a, you know, a real Bond fan from the early days. I say to myself, well, I guess they were very smart and it made so much money because if you're a 22-year-old girl and you never heard of James Bond before and you go to see Skyfall, and especially this one, you would definitely come out of the theater saying, wow, I didn't think uh, James, James Bond would be like this. you know." So I think you come out pleasantly surprised, which is very smart of the producers. This is my line of thinking. I have to say this to myself, otherwise I'm going to... You know, punch somebody in the face. That's how, you know, upset I am, and the that it's just not the, you know, this Roger Moore stuff <laughs> with the ridiculousness. I know, I know, we can't keep that forever. Everybody made fun of those, but unfortunately, those are the ones I grew up with, the ones that were made for a thirteen-year-old boy. Bond always beds two or two to three women. He is, was it? Do you call it misogynistic? And uh, he has the gadgets, and you can always count on him at the end. And even though the endings are stupid, I keep thinking of the end of Octopussy, which is a great movie, but the ending is awful. I'll never forget. Me and Lawrence, we saw that together. The ending of Octopussy, he's all bandaged up. He's in a cast and a pulley and in a hospital bed. And Maud Adams is sitting there, oh, I wish you felt better so we can fool around. And he's like, you do? And he just gets out of the cast's. And, you know, pulls a lever and he's out of and he's perfectly fine and he makes out with her. And then I remember how disappointed we were that they do stuff like that. So that's why when Daniel Craig came around, we're like, oh, my God, this is this is great. But then I don't know what happened somewhere along the line. The Quantum Solace was awful. You let that go. But then the Skyfall Spectre, all this stuff, it's just not good enough. But maybe it is. I don't know. You know, you got to see what happens next. But uh I uh, really am looking forward to hearing some of your comments. If you've seen it, then we can talk about it. I obviously cannot say anything now, but, um, you know, you guys, uh, you know, on Patreon or, or, or an Instagram DM me or, or send a message to, uh, uh, Dave just fans at Gmail. So we could discuss it. I would like that very much. <laughs> uh, I would like it. Ver- I know I don't have a lot of young listeners, but if I did, I would, be very curious to see what people think but yeah i made a couple calls on on my way back so on wednesday what i did was i dressed up knowing i was having dinner at the west bank cafe with my friend vincent and the owner of that place because you know we're thinking about starting a wine podcast there this is this nice beautiful theater restaurant on 42nd street and 9th you know it's not the greatest restaurant again, but it's like it's like a Joe Allen's, which, okay, maybe it's not the best restaurant, but it's like a place to be. It's an after theater or a before theater place. And it's been there for years, and they have that great downstairs. I want to start doing shows in and stuff. But, you know, COVID has really taken its toll on it. They are completely understaffed, and it's very confusing. He's only open at certain hours. Now it's awful. 
But Vince and I are going to it. So I said, I'm going out with these old men, these older men that are in the 70s, and I'm going to dress up. So I went to the movies in a jacket, like a suit jacket, and like nice shoes. Like I dressed up. Even though I was wearing jeans, but I was like, I dressed up like, you know, like, a, like for dinner at 11 in the morning. And went to the movies and did it. But of course, nobody notices. Cause like, well, that's what an old man's supposed to wear. So I'd like to dress, you know, I've always told you I'd like to dress. But I love that. Frank Santa Padre and Gilbert's Pockets. Always, guys, always wearing a blazer. So wearing a blazer would be key. I was able to wear my shirt out and the blazer, and I thought it looked pretty good. So then I knew I was going to be, and it was three hours, so then, you know, the thing went till, what, two? <laughs> and I had to be there at six. So I had plenty of time. I knew I was going to do all this walking. There was no way I was doing anything except walking up there to 42nd from, all the way from the Statue of Liberty. And then Lawrence and I, we got a little lunch. I know, I had to eat, but I just had a grilled cheese. That wasn't too bad. And um, a cup of coffee. And then I started walking up. And then I found myself in the West Village, of course. And I stopped at uh, my bar and just had, I'm like, I guess I have time to have a drink. I had one drink. Meanwhile, may I just say to one of our loyal listeners, Lindsay, who's amazing and a Patreon subscriber, Lindsay's getting married. I'm taping today. Oh, my God. How can I not remember? Oh, that's because it comes out on the 16th. I'm taping today, November 13th, the day Felix Unger was asked to leave the place of residence. That request came from his wife. Deep down, he knew she was right. And he knew someday he would return. Yes, November 13th, Lindsay and Jeff are getting married. They are great. And congratulations. I I doubt they will be listening to this. (laughs) Right, guys? You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, but uh, congratulations. You guys are awesome. Lindsay's the goddamn best, and they're getting married today on November 13th. Uh, God damn it, that's the day I need to get married. November 13th, the day Felix Unger was asked to leave his place of residence. Um, also today, and again, I know this comes out on Tuesday, uh, Gary Goldman at Carnegie Hall. I wished him luck, too. So big day for everybody else except for me. I'm only doing uh, Marina's podcast after, but <laughs> whatever. That's cool, too. Otherwise, I just uh, went down and I got some groceries. I'm going to make these spicy lasagna roll-ups today for dinner. I haven't made them in a long time. I was trying to, you know, it's a, it takes a lot of work, but uh, where am I going? I, and my sister would be like, you couldn't be putting the eBay stuff together. Anyway, so I go and I have a drink, and then I walk up to 42nd and 9th, and I meet Vincent at the bar. Of course, he's always there a half hour early. Damn it. And it's packed, and we can't figure it out because last time we were there, there was nobody there. And Vince was there a week before, and there was this. So you can never tell in the restaurant business when things are going to be packed or when they're not going to be packed, but it was completely packed. And we don't know whether it was before theater packed or people going back to the theater like this because it did kind of clear out like right around, I guess, around 7. So maybe it was before theater. Maybe it's back. I don't know. But it was a Wednesday, too, so maybe there were matinees and it let out. I We, don't, we can't figure it out. But Vince was at the bar, and... He went to the and he got angry because the owner, our friend Steve Olson, wouldn't get Vincent a table. Like whatever, like he was insulted because we were all supposed to have dinner together. And he, but he was busy. I said, "Well, it's no big deal." And he's like, "Well, we can eat at the bar." And I'm like, "Yeah, whatever." But he was really angry that Steve wasn't taking care of us. But you know, I would understand that if it's busy, I would be like, "No, you got to take care of your people first. But who knows? You know, this is a Vincent's been cranky. That's why we get along. We're both very cranky. And we've been cranky since we were 20, and now we're just old men where it makes sense. So it's not like Vincent, because he's in his 70s, was any different than the day I met him. 
So, so he goes, let's order. So we look at the menu, and I say, ooh, they have deviled eggs. I like that. He goes, don't get the deviled eggs. You don't know how long those have been sitting out. That's horrible. You don't want to get that here. And I'm like, oh, I guess you're right. Conventional used to own a restaurant, you know. And I say, oh, well, the salmon. I think I've had the salmon before. Don't get the salmon. Are you crazy? You don't get the salmon in a place like this. It's going to be awful. And I'm like, well, what, you know, um, what, what do you think I should get? I don't know. Get whatever you want. He didn't even know he was saying that hilariously, you know. <laughs> I could say, I don't know. Get whatever you want. <laughs> but then we left. He was just really angry. So we didn't like anything. And then we tried to find a sushi place in Times Square. You imagine this? We're like going all over. Like, we can't find a place. Couldn't find a place. Place, uh, I don't know. Everything was, I don't know. He was just getting really annoyed. He was annoyed, this guy. And then we decided we were going to get wings because I was like, well, we can go to the wing place I always go to. But I really didn't want to because I was so full from just everything. The popcorn, the lunch, the night before. I'm eating like horrible. I'm like, tonight's not a wing night. But whatever. I don't want to get him angry and I can always eat the wings. And we, walk, we were walking toward the wing place. We found a sushi place. They must have just opened because they don't have a liquor license. Because we're like, yeah, well, two Sapporo's. Oh, I don't have liquor license. Uh, look, come on, I can do that because that's uh, you know how they they go into the uh, the bit where they speak no English when they're when they get upset when you get upset, you know. <laughs> so that's what happened. But they were very nice. They didn't have a liquor license, but they were able to bring us some hot sake on the house. Just can't purchase anything. They don't have a liquor license yet. Just open. I thought the sushi was fantastic. Vincent's like, what are you kidding? He's really is a curmudgeon. He's worse than me. Why do you think we like each other? What? I will take you to the best sushi place. I'm like, well, this is the best sushi I've had. In my, my neighborhood has horrible sushi. I think this is really good. So I was pretty happy I was having sushi because for some reason, sushi in my head seems lighter than everything I eat, which is like a rock in my stomach. So we had a good time. And, uh, you know, at least I, but like I said, I got dressed up. So I, I thought we were going to eat in that fancy place <laughs> and then of course i thought i was eating for free and then you know we got to pay for this issue. i'm like Ugh, that was not my plan but whatever and then i walked home so there was a lot of walking so you walk off all that food which is good uh so but then what happened was that vincent told me now i think i've told you this before and i've had him even on the podcast but he doesn't like to talk about it and you gotta this is the guy that was cast as Bobby Barbarino, Vinny Barbarino from Welcome Back, Cotter's brother. After Vinny, after John Travolta left the show, he was cast. He's in costume. There are photos, but I can't find them. Hmm. I was just, I was just thinking. I know Sarah was at ABC once with uh, Ron Howard. I should, if she gets a show at ABC, I got to ask her. Hey, can you find out if there's a Bobby Barbarino photo? Uh, anyway, this guy, you know, so also this story, which I'm sure I've told on the show before, but we'll tell it again. Vincent, in 1967, um, drove Charles Manson to Berkeley, California. Yeah, you heard me right. He, uh, I, I guess he was at some party on the beach somewhere, and Charles Manson's like, you guys are going to Berkeley, can I get a ride? And he's like, yeah, I mean, but you got to be up at 6 in the morning. We're leaving exactly at 6 in the morning. Vincent had one of those VW vans, you know, like a, a good-looking hippie uh, would have in that time. And he's like, yeah, I'll be there. And Vince, you know, already he's just like, this guy, what the hell? I don't know. We'll give him a lift. You know, it's not, we, nobody knows who Charles Manson is yet. They just know he's a little out there. 
So he's there at 6 in the morning. He picks him up, and, they, and they're driving, and he's with the, Vincent's with his friend Mike, not Mike White from the Jets. Uh, he's with his friend Mike, and Mike just goes, hey, you know, what do you think the weather's going to be like? And Charles Manson just keeps repeating everything. He says, like, hey, what do you think the weather's going to be like tonight? And they're like, what the hell's the matter with that guy? <laughs> and he's like, um, hey, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking when we get there. We're like, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking when we get there. We're just, Shut up! Vincent turns around. He goes, I swear to God. When he told me, he goes, I almost kicked him out of the van like three times. He was driving me crazy. I kept turning around. I'm like, I swear to God, shut the fuck up. I'll drop you off right here. And he goes, all right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't do it anymore. <laughs> he was like, Morty King, king of the mimics. And then he started playing the guitar and singing. And he goes, he was awful. He was awful. Because he put out some albums or one album. I don't know. And he's like, he was awful. He goes, stop it. You're horrible. <laughs> He's yelling at Charles Manson in his van. <laughs> but then he, so I knew all that already, which is hilarious. But then he didn't tell me this little tiny tidbit, which is just so funny. And I don't know why. He goes, You know, we stopped because we had been driving for like six hours and it was like in the morning or whatever. And we stopped this diner. I'm like, Let's get something to eat. And he goes, Oh man, I don't have any money. And Vincent's like, Don't worry, I will buy your breakfast. And um, maybe they're driving longer because it's morning again. Even though they left at 6, maybe they're driving for 12 hours. I don't know. He goes, I'll buy you breakfast. He's like, oh, my God, I love you. Vince, you're the best. So then, Because then he said he bought a breakfast. Then he was his best friend for life, you know, Charles Manson, which is uh, ironically what you don't want in a best friend for life. <laughs> but uh, So he goes, wait, you didn't tell me. So you went to a diner with Charles Manson? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's unbelievable. You went to a diner. With Charles. I'm going to a diner with my mother every This is fascinating. What did he have? He had scrambled eggs. It was uneventful, but it's like, you know, now it's what? It'd be like, yeah, I had breakfast with OJ the, the, the morning just before he killed his wife. We were talking about like, you know, I'm like, I think my wife is cheating on me. Nah, you're seeing things. I mean, it's like that. It's like that good <laughs> the morning before. I think it was maybe a year before, but all the nonsense. But uh, yeah, I mean, what's funny? Really, it's the, the exact same thing. You know, I had breakfast with OJ that day. He was really getting on my nerves. All he just kept talking about was Nicole this, Nicole that. He's like, I swear to God, I'll kill her if I find I'm like, no, you won't. You know how you are, OJ. So that's that was great. He dropped him off, and, and he drops him off wherever the, the house they're staying in, and who knows what that was. I'd sort of like to know a little bit more detail. He said, 16 girls come running out. They're like, Charlie's back. Charlie's back. And he's like, guys, come on in. They're, they'll cook you dinner. Come on. It's going to be a good time. And I don't know. Vincent said, no, we're going to go. But I don't know how he did that because I don't know if I would have had the power. I mean, 16, really, you know, they were pretty girls. And they all come out. and They're going to cook. For, they'll cook for you. It'll be awesome. He's like, no, no, we got to get going. Because he just, I mean, he told me. He says, there's something off about this guy. But still, you could say... There's something off about a guy, and, and, and then 16 girls come out, and they're going to cook you. Who are your friends? Oh, my God, they're hot. I, I, well, I guess Vincent was so good-looking that he was used to that, but I probably would have been like, eh, I guess I could stay for a bite. <laughs> you know? I can't imagine not falling. But well, but who knows with me? I, I've given up sex just because the sun has come up. You know, I'm like, no, no, sun's up. Time to go. So who knows? But... Uh, that story's alive. He, he runs into him again about, I don't know, a couple months later, maybe a year down in L.A. 
And he remembered, and he remembered Vincent. You know, he's like, Vincent, Vincent, hey, it's me, Charlie. Why don't you come down to the compound? We're hanging out. No, no, I've uh, had enough of you. I think he was very polite to him because probably, I think he went back in the van and said, that guy's going to kill somebody. Because I guess it was that obvious. But I love when you get a little tidbit of the story of him. Then I found out, and I don't know if you remember this, but several months ago, I told you guys on this podcast that we were trying to figure out where sushi came from while we were you know, eating. Remember, I, I told you, I'm like, I don't remember it growing up. And the, the first time I had ever heard of it, which I think a lot of people heard of it, was The Breakfast Club. And uh, Molly Ringwald just going, what is, what is that? It's like, it's sushi. He's like, um, so you'll put a raw fish in your mouth, but you won't put a guy's cock in your mouth. So whatever the line, right? And I'm like, yeah, what the hell is sushi? Sushi sounds stupid. Raw fish, it's dumb. And we remember we talked about this. We looked it up online, and it turns out that Yul Brenner is credited of making Americans aware of sushi, that there was a tiny sushi place by Universal Studios who used to bring all the Hollywood stars, and it branched out. But Vincent was friendly with Yul Brenner because Yul Brenner was trying to hit on his wife, on Vincent's or girlfriend at the time. Uh, so he was very close to Vincent. He goes, Vincent, I'm going to buy you new clothing. And he took him to Barney's and he bought him new clothing. And he's, he's, this guy, you got to peel him like an onion. You know, he's not getting. The, I, I heard some of the stories, but I was like, wait, he bought you clo- Yule Brenner, Pharaoh, Ramses from the from the Ten Commandments bought you a wardrobe. He goes, yeah, but it was like it was all puffy stuff and you know stuff right out of the King and I. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> I'm like, that's. Vincent, I need to, you need to buy some new clothing. I'm going to buy you new clothing. But then he said he took him and his wife, uh, his girlfriend, this girl Sydney, out for sushi because he took us out for sushi. And I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Then, then I stopped. This happened uh, on Wednesday. I said, wait, Yul Brenner took you out for sushi? Now, he's, Vincent's going like, well, yeah, all right, relax. The diner thing, I understand. What are you talking about? He goes, well, what year was he? He goes, it's 1973. no. Because, and then I told him, I'm like, that, but that's unbelievable because Yul Brenner is credited with turning people on to sushi. Like, it's, you see, because in 1973, nobody knew what sushi was. He goes, yeah, it was amazing. I'd never had it before. I'm like, what is this? This is a raw fish. I don't want any of this raw fish. And he, there was one sushi place in Manhattan. And Yul Brenner took Vincent and his girlfriend there. Then he tried to sleep with his, I guess his girlfriend was in a production of The King and I down in Miami. And Vincent, she's like, come down. So Vincent came down, and Yul Brenner locked him out of his room so uh, Yul Brenner could spend time with his girlfriend. <laughs> and then they, I don't think they were friendly after that anymore. But Yul Brenner's wife was there, too. I mean, the guy was a complete cad. Um, but they all went out for dinner somewhere, and Yul Brenner was trying to sit next to his girlfriend. I mean, it was so seedy, but the way Vincent tells it, it's not... I don't know. It's just, I mean, obviously, it's a long time ago, but goddamn, you know, we love those kind of details. I mean, that's this is that show. But the fact that you, you know, you had that's like, uh, I, I mean, I, I, that's like having uh, milkshakes with Paul Rudd, you know, what I did, uh, what was that, two years? Uh, now, you're welcome. I, I uh, just went out for, we got high and I had milkshakes with Paul Rudd. You know, Paul Rudd, the sexiest man alive, which just got voted. Those are the stories I'm going to be telling. Yeah, we got a high, and I said, I know a place we can get milkshakes. <laughs> we did karaoke, got high, and then we, um, you know, had some, uh, went to a diner together with Paul Rudd. Not the same as Charles Manson. These are two different kinds of stories, but still, 
So he's really, so it's just funny that he's just sitting there going like, "What's the big deal? I uh, I just went out for sushi with Yul Brenner." <laughs> I don't know how he doesn't see it. How how entertaining that is. What's the matter with him? He's so crazy. On Sunday, I did. You know, I'm trying to do different things to mix up my Sundays. I don't want to be all engrossed in football. And last Sunday was no exception. This guy, Hatem from the Comedy Cellar, who's a great guy, he calls me, can you do the podcast on Sunday at 4? 4. Normally I would have said, are you out of your goddamn mind? It's called the Live from America podcast. And when you're on the podcast, usually I would know him from the owner of the cellar and dignitaries, mayor candidates. The last time I was on with the Manhattan Borough president candidate who won, I think his name was Mark Levine. He ended up winning. I voted for him. And, uh, you know, doctors talking about COVID, you know, it's very, it's pretty serious. And so I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll do it at four o'clock because it's always good. And you meet interesting people, writers, stuff like that. And then I get the email. He goes, okay, it's going to be you and Mike Bichetti. And I'm like, what? Mike Bichetti? What the f- How did this happen? And I go, can I cancel? I don't want to be on with Mike Bichetti. I just put this off. I thought we were going to be talking politics or something. He goes, why? Is Mike Bichetti not good? I'm like, well, you don't know him? He goes, no, he's been pestering me for three months to put him on. And I'm like, oh, well, if you don't know him, then I can't wait to do it. <laughs> he never met Mike Bichetti before. And Bichetti was so funny. He gets on, I get, and I'm like, whose TV is on in the background? He goes, oh, sorry, sorry. Mark, can you turn down the TV? <laughs> His mother, he goes, well, what, are you, what is she watching? He goes, oh, the Rifleman. The Rifleman on uh, MeTV. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't turn MeTV on until 7 o'clock. His mother, then his dog was barking. It was, it was so funny. It was just like more than Hatem bargained for. You can watch it if you, if you want to. It's an hour long. Um, you know I love Mike, but uh, yeah. It was, it's like, Mike, you, 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 fi- you, you finally get on the show. You've been begging to get on for three months and you don't know why you'd be begging to get on but you're begging to get on and then you can't find a quiet place to do your the show from your dog's barking your mother's yelling at you your tv's i mean the hell's the matter with you but then what am, what am i talking about it's mike bachetti meanwhile by the way folks i found out that me suing mike bachetti is going to air january 7 whatever day of the week that is january 7 on the judge jerry show january 7 will be the day, 2022, is that you can see me, Sue, Mike Bichetti, and Rachel Feinstein really let me have it on national television. What's better than that? Uh, just a couple more things before we go. I did want to talk about this guy. This is sad. So when I got back in the um, in my building yesterday... I uh, had lunch with my cousin Gary again. Remember, he took me out last week. He's so nice. It's so great to reconnect. And we had lunch. He's like, let's go to a Jewish deli. And I'm like, oh, I've been eating. So, uh. But what are you going to do? Right? <laughs> His parents left him a bunch of money, so he paid. Because I said, let me get this. But he's like, no, come on. It's on uh, Frank and Arlene. Or Ralph and Arlene. That's it. And I'm like, our parents, uh, they're leaving us nothing. He's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, so are we. But anyway, um, I go home and I see this woman I know in the building and on the fourth floor and uh, 
she's uh, giving herself. I'm like, oh, can I give you a hand? I know her. She's really nice. And she goes, oh, yes. I mean, if you're not doing I'm like, yeah, I'm not busy at all. And uh, she goes, I'm moving. And I'm like, you're moving? And she goes, yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. That's how, why are all the people I like from the building moving? So she's moving to Florida. And then I found out, you know, the only people I've left in the building, my friend Rob, you know, Bob, who's like 85, you know, and his wife, before you know how much I like them, I found out they're moving. They live right next door to her. So that's why she knows. I'm like, wait, they're moving too? What? And I texted. I'm like, what the hell? They're like, we're only moving a block away. I'm like, it makes a difference. So that's it. I mean, that's, I mean, I obviously I still, I mean, those are the friends I hang out and go to dinner with. The other people are just building people. I, you know, I help them or I like them. I talk to them. I mean, now there's a bunch of weirdos, but not like that woman, Nell, who's 90. I mean, she's a joy, but I mean, we used to go out to dinner, but now, you know, she's very old. Uh, now we're just everybody's gone. Michelle left. I'm the last one. And it really kind of fucked me up. And somebody told me that at this point, or in general, New York City is for the very young or the very rich. Obviously, neither of which I am. And I started to get very depressed, very depressed. And the, the, the question is, is this the, is this the life, is, is this what happens when you get older? Or is this because of COVID? And would a lot of these people have stayed if not for COVID? So it's, it's hard to say whether you, you know, turn almost 60 and these things happen, which I'm sure is the case. Although in New York City, I feel like people just stay until they die, and all that went out the window with COVID. So I get very upset. And then this guy who I listened to on the radio since the 80s, Steve Summers, he is one of the greatest sports talk hosts ever because he was very Jewy and nasally and talked about being Jewish and certainly no sportscaster, you know, even me. You try to get rid of the Jewish nasalness and be like, yeah, the Mets are going to be out of it. It's going to be unbelievable. 25 we're going to the World Series. You know, like that kind of stuff. So he was just like, he was the best because he had all these great sayings. He was funny and he was overnight. So he called himself schmoozy, <laughs> a schmooze under the covers. He did all these Yiddish terms. It was called under the covers. Steve Summers, he was amazing. And he would, and 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 the reason why I'm bringing it up is because if you listen to my first year of podcasting, the old old shows that we were doing at Stand Up New York, I was emulating him. He would do this unbelievable opening monologue that he had scribbled on a paper, and I was trying to do that first. I would write it down first because that's what he would do, and he had all this pre-production stuff, the opening monologue, and then he would just be a regular show. But that's what I was trying, and I think I even said, like he would say, me here and you there, Over, un, overnight under the covers, you know, like, and I definitely have used many times, good evening to you and how you be. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I, I mean, if you listen to the early podcasts, which I don't recommend, I was doing Steve Summers. And I just loved one, you know, and Mike Francesa a little too, but Steve Summers, I love, and, and, and it's what I do on my Tuesday show on YouTube. It's, it's one guy talking into a mic for 15 minutes doing an opening monologue. 
and I got it from this guy, and he's retiring. And it is bumming the shit out of me out. By the time this airs on Tuesday, he's doing a final show on Monday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon to say goodbye to everybody. And I am majorly bummed because he's another piece of the puzzle and a piece of my life that, you know, I'm just going to miss. It's just I can't take it anymore, you know? And he had these amazing things. He would open up, especially like when the Rangers won, when I didn't hate the Rangers so much. He was fun to listen to. And he had this guy working for him overnight called Eddie Scazzeri. So we'd always do like, with me, Steve Summers and Eddie Scazzeri. And then they play this thing, the Eddie Scazzeri? No, it's Eddie Van Halen. What do you think I'm talking about? And he'd always have a different Eddie. To me- No, Eddie Monster. I mean, it was legendary. And I know my friend Dave Elliott knows and, there's a bunch of guys that like me that you know loved listening to the fan and this guy talked because it wasn't all sports he would talk about everything and you know, he'd make up all these funny terms like the new york islanders he would call the icelanders and the mets he always refers to as the metropolitans and when he talks about sacramento where i think he might be from he calls it sacramento <laughs> i mean these kind of things or, or he calls them the fish sticks which are the islanders you know the icelanders and uh, he was just the greatest. And everybody knew it because Jerry Seinfeld called in multiple times. And lately he's worked from like the, and he also, I mean, I don't know, I think he got a, a chef because he would work, you know, you'd have to wait there all night, wait for the Yankee game to finish or something, and then come on for a couple of hours. It, after he left the, the overnights, he went to like 7 o'clock until, or like 10 to 2, whatever it is. And I think this guy, this guy who, ended up technically firing him wrote him a letter when he was like 17 when he wasn't the head of the network and you know steve wrote him back it's all like they're all talking about it the local papers and stuff because he was like they just say he was the best guy he would even hang out with the fans and stuff and like this is when he had seinfeld on there was a controversy that they were in a fight uh but this is what he sounds like and this was the uh seinfeld thing and now, as advertised, here's Jerry. Jerry, how the hell are you? Steve, fantastic. So good to be back with you in the schmooze room. How are you feeling? Well, we're doing okay. And, of course, we trust that you and your family safe and healthy and sound. Yes, we all. All is good fine. and better than that, yes. Everybody's good. Yes, all good. Okay, before we get into the Mets and and New York sports and yeah. Jerry Seinfeld, you realize that having you on tonight signals the end of a fake feud, since there really wasn't much of a feud to begin with, with really just a long absence with life and the two of us moving forward without yes. communicating for a while. Yes, that's what happened. I'm sorry for any misunderstandings or uh, um, uh, confusion. Uh, I, you know, I missed the feud. I was, uh, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't listening to the station for a while, mm. and I missed the whole thing. And I think it had to do. Uh, do you want it? Should we should we resolve it publicly now? In case well, well, is well, sure. Yeah, well, sure. Because otherwise, people are going to think we're we're hiding the issue. But but again, uh, I had years ago I had asked you for Larry David's email, and you gave it to me, and right. he came and he came on, 
right. And we, and we had a terrific interview. I mean, he actually said at the very end he would love to come on again. He enjoyed right. the interview. So it worked out fine. Then I guess a year or two after that, right. wanted to wanted to get back to him. Right. But his email had changed. So I had asked you, uh, you know, for uh, uh, Larry David's new email, and your response said, and maybe you misunderstood. I don't know, but you, your response was with the email. That's friends not don't what, not do what, that. Yeah, that's right. Not what friends do. This is not what friends do. Now, I I heard that story and I thought, what could I have been thinking <laughs> to have said that? And the only thing I could come up with was maybe I didn't know or didn't remember that Larry had already been on your show and you were just looking for. What the young people call the hookup, yeah, uh, to get to Larry, and I didn't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Is that I, possible? Yeah, of course. And, well, maybe and, that's I, what happened. And in any event, I, I apologize uh, for uh, how that came off. Well, you don't have to do that. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, but but I think it was important for us to bring it up. Jerry Seinfeld apologized to Steve Summers. That's how huge Steve Summers was. But it's what's better than having a feud with Jerry Seinfeld and then he comes on to say and they talked it out. I mean, this is the kind of guy that Steve Summers was. And that's why it's funny, you know, I play it on because it's like it's not sports related at all. And that's the thing. He would have Jerry on and he would have uh, Larry David happily on because this guy was very special and very different of course you know most of you probably don't like sports talk you know the reason i like it it's not so much for the sports as it is well here's a live show late at night so i listen all the time and you know i uh i listen at night and all they've been doing is talking about steve leaving and i've been getting very upset about it because i'm like oh here's another person out of my life leaving and it's uh i i, I don't know how to handle it and I'm getting very upset about it. And you know what I've been doing lately is, of course, just turning to the stupid Hallmark channel that seems to uh, make me feel better for some reason. I did that the other day when I was watching Spar. I watched these stupid Christmas specials on the Hallmark channel. I can't, you know, we figured out the pattern. Uh, Mike, the producer, uh, Mike Suarez on the show figured out, like, it's always somebody where their, you know, their store or whatever they have is going to be go out of business and they has to be saved and it's somebody from out of town who comes. I mean, it really is funny. And I noticed that they don't kiss until, you know, if it airs for, at 2 o'clock till 4 o'clock, they don't kiss until 3.59, and they they miss all the best parts or whatever. I mean, it's just it's a total formula, and we know this. And last night was no exception. For some reason, I taped the one with Danica McKellar because she's so hot. And this is Winnie from The Wonder Years, who we knew was going to grow up kind of hot, and she's also really smart. So I taped this one. It's called You and Me and the Christmas Trees. Where do you hear this? I mean, this just talking about these plots, I should just do it in my stand-up because it's great. Danica McKellar, I think that I always say it's Danica Patrick. It's not Danica Patrick. Uh, she is a, tr a Christmas tree whisperer. She is a, uh, a, a botanist. What do you call it or something? Or, uh, she knows everything about, uh, what is it, horticulture? I, I don't know. And she knows how to fix sick Christmas trees. So this guy has run a Christmas, a family-owned Christmas tree business for a hundred years, and all of a sudden, when they've been cutting down the Christmas trees, they've been turning brown, and he's and all of a sudden they got a bad batch, and he doesn't know what the problem is. So he calls in the Christmas tree whisperer, who doesn't want to go see her family, 
because she just uh, ended a wedding and she doesn't want to get all the talk. So she's like, any distraction will do. She's a professor or whatever she is at the University of Connecticut. So she ends up going to Avon, Connecticut to see this guy and check out these trees. And of course, they uh, fall for each other. But as it turns out, I'm going to spoil it for you. So spoil alert, if you haven't seen Yumi and the Christmas Trees yet, turn off your podcasting tool. <laughs> For God, how old am I? I don't even know what to call it. I don't know what you listen. I was going to say turn off your radio. But the villain is Jason Hervey, who we know from this. Well, is everything straightened out? We are ready whenever you are. Doesn't it look like I'm ready? I am always ready. I have been ready since first call. I am ready. Roll. Quiet, please. This is a take. Settle. Roll, please. Speed. Action. Action. Hey, I've seen this one. I've seen this one. This is a classic. This is uh, where Ralph dresses up as a man from space. What do you mean you've seen this? It's brand new. Yeah, well, I saw it on a rerun. It's a rerun. You'll find out. And uh, to, you know, and if, if you know, they worked together on the Wonder Years. She was the her boyfriend's brother. I never watched that show, but uh, Jason Hervey, who married a porn star, everybody knows, was the villain, and he was spraying the Christmas trees with uh, hydrochloride or whatever it is. And she discovered the villainy uh, and then was able to single-handedly save the trees by making some sort of compound when placed in the water that would fix the trees. She's a genius. And the, the one good part about the movie is like, she probably could have come up with that uh, <laughs> because I think she's actually that smart. But yeah, and I sat there and I watched the whole thing. Thank God I was able to fast forward to the commercials and watch the whole goddamn thing like a goddamn idiot. And that's what I do now. I turn to the Hallmark movies for the Christmas time stuff, and I say to myself, my God, I've got to make one of these, but how? I've got to next year make a Christmas movie, right? And think about it. Uh, you know, however I'll pitch, I'll be like, oh, I'll use my comic friends, right? So it'll be, it'll be like a stand-up comedy Christmas, a comedy Christmas, right? And the I was thinking about the premise. The premise is... Um, a girl who wants to do stand-up comedy and, you know, doesn't get it right or, and, you know, there's all these problems, but, of course, it happens during Christmas. And, oh, no, the comedy show has been canceled because they can't find the right Christmas tree for the background. Well, we're going to have to rectify that sometimes. This comedy Christmas has to go on. We've done it every year. Well, who's going to headline? The headliner will be a villain. Oh, it'll be me. Oh, that's perfect. I'll be the villain headliner that tells her she's no good. And then it turns out I, I, I get mine at the end. Oh, who wouldn't watch that? Or it's me and Sarah Silverman and we fall in love. I mean, wouldn't that be fun? Come on, that would be fun. That would be fun. And at 3.59, we kiss. Ooh. <laughs> It'll be like... Uh, the Jeff Garland project. There's someone to eat cheese with, which he clearly wrote that script just so he could make out with Sarah Silverman. <laughs> but I think she'd know that wasn't my plan since there's only one kiss and it only happens at the very end and it doesn't, and nobody's going to want to see two old people because, you know, we can just, you know, peck on the cheek or, or, or kiss on the mouth like we do every day anyway. So 
I don't think it would be that bad. I don't think Rory would take exception to that. That's the man she's dating now, Rory Albanese, who, by the way, is a terrific guy. And I think he could be the one. I like him a lot. I like this pairing of the two of them. Very happy about it. But anyway, that's uh, all the stuff I was thinking. I had so much more. I'd say, look how much we've talked just for an hour and 20 minutes. I don't know what happened. I, every time, I always think, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about today. And then it just happens. It just happens. So, yeah, I guess we're, we're at it. I had a bunch of other stuff I was going to tell you and play for you. And I, I will tell you, I just found out Chuck from Happy Days, the brother they never talked about, just died. Isn't that awkward? Isn't that funny that Chuck died at 70? That's very young. He must have been like, a, but it's funny. Is Pete Best still alive? I keep forgetting to check. Pete Best from the Beatles, you know, that, that just got the ultimate screw of the, a lifetime of our generation or whatever generation. How do you live? How do you go on living being Pete Best? And that's the story, you know, so it's like, Chuck, I don't think he cares, but it is kind of weird. He's like, oh, it's the original Chuck. I mean, how do you even get laid from that? I'm surprised that didn't happen to me. That seems like something that would have happened to me that I would have. I mean, it might have been, it did, but in much more lesser forms. <laughs> oh, whatever. I don't know. I have to look at it this way. It's a beautiful day in New York City. The sun is shining. The weather is perfect. And we're all going to have a wonderful week. Whatever happens at Thanksgiving, it's still Thanksgiving is coming up. And then the Christmas season, and we can all just listen to that amazing Vince Giraldi soundtrack. That's all I listen to this time of the year. I get so into it. I listen when I'm on the bike. I listen at home. And it really makes it feel good. And so we all have that to look forward to, let alone every Tuesday night is super fun with super friends. And I can't wait tonight, Marina Franklin, and you know she is my pal, now until the end of time, and Brian Scott McFadden, who's so funny, and we have our Billy Joel podcast, Just the Way We Was, and we have all that kind of stuff to look forward to, let alone the Nightfly. So folks, thank you so much for joining me today. Once again, another unbelievable shout-out to my Patreon subscribers. You guys are the best. But anybody that listens to this show on a weekly basis, I love more than anything. And I love bringing it to you. I'll see you next week, everybody. It's the week before Thanksgiving. Uh Uh-oh, fun times on the Nightfly. Good night, folks.